I know we don't get to choose our families, but if we did, I'd choose you. Like, give that kid an Emmy for the best dramatic line in a church video, right? Like, it's like, oh, now everyone's crying. Good morning, everyone. Man, we're so glad that you're here. Let's try it one more time just so that I know you're awake. Good morning, everyone. Man, it's so good to be here together on Mother's Day. Thank you so much for being with us. We had an incredible time uh, last night with a Saturday night service. The place was just crammed, and we had so much fun, and we are glad that you are here today. Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to be hanging out in our Bible study time today, so you might open your Bible. If you don't have one, no big deal. Everything I say will be on the screen so that you can follow along that way. Grab your notes uh, from your bulletin. We're in week two of a series called Jesus and Inner Strength, trying to learn how to develop the inner strength Jesus would want us to have so we could live the life that Jesus has called us to live. Before we do that, our church for the past several weeks is trying to be figuring out how we're going to move forward together doing church between now and the building. And we've made a strategic decision coming out of a year of COVID where our church was for three months in thousands of homes across our city. And for those of you watching online, kind of across America, um, and then slowly coming back and then finding ourselves the past three months scattered again at two different campuses. We've decided coming out of Easter that we just really feel like our church should be together in this season if we can. So we're starting a new ministry program in June called Summer Saturdays at Journey. And this summer in June and July, I don't know that we'll do it forever, But every Saturday in June and July, from June 5 through July 24th, instead of meeting at Summit Christian Academy on Sunday morning and doing video teaching, we're going to all be together in four services here, Saturday at 5 p.m. Every Saturday, we'll have food and fun afterwards. We really are trying to get young families to maybe make Saturday the time they go to church in the summer. We'll have food trucks. We'll do cookouts. We'll have our cornhole out. We'll set up some pickleball courts. We're building the building next door because we want our church to be together. Uh, we're building the atrium we are in the parking lot that we're building because we want our church before church and after church to be able to spend time together. And we've just not been accomplishing that well as we've been coming back from COVID. So we said, let's get our church and our team all together. We think this will allow us to do that in June and July. So what are we going to do in August? I'm not sure yet. Uh, The first Sunday of June, we're going to give you our latest building update. We're going to know a lot more on when a lot more space is going to be added in our children's building, in our atrium, in our parking lot. So we'll tell you in June what August looks like. But if you would prayerfully consider this summer making Saturday, the time you go to church instead of Sunday, we think we can fit all of our church together, not have to do video teaching, not have to be so spread out. For those of you who have been at Summit Christian Academy, thank you for being missionaries and getting it and understanding that there, we have more people than seats, so you've been willing to go. But we want to invite you back. We just think our church feels better when we're all together. Last night proved it again. Today proves it again. So um, think about that as you move forward. Our last Sunday at Summit Christian will be May 23rd. Memorial Day, we'll just do three services here. We have so many families that leave town that week. We think we can hold everyone in three. And then in June, we'll begin four services on site, Saturday night at 5, Sunday morning 8, 9, 30, and 11 right here. So consider which of those that you would like to be a part of. So week two in a series called Jesus and Inner Strength. Here's the premise of this series. Here's what we're hoping to accomplish in the month of May. We want to learn the spiritual practices that lead to the potential of spiritual inner strength. As Matthew 5, which we've been in for 20 weeks, turns into Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is teaching us about the hidden things in our faith life that allow us to become like Jesus, things that no one sees but God. Your prayer life that Marcellus talked about last week. Today, your thought life, your meditation, how you reflect on things. Next week, fasting and doing 
doing things that create a dependence in your spirit that help you have more dependence on God. Uh, in a couple of weeks, talking about generosity in the last week of the month, talking about trust, particularly during times where you should have great anxiety. All of those things spiritually are things that no one sees but God. But God says if you can develop inner strength in your prayer closet, if you can develop inner strength in your alone time with me, the world, when it looks at you, will see Jesus. So that's our goal, to try to figure out how to develop inner strength so when the world looks at us, they will see Jesus. Our goals today, because it's Mother's Day, are this. Number one, to see the heart of a mother towards her children. We're going to learn that if we can begin to think about God like moms think about their kids, we're going to be closer to him. And moms and grandmas, let me say happy Mother's Day. And we hope that you are blessed by being here today. I hope your family honors you well today. Uh, It's our goal that every mom and grandma and adopted mother and foster mom would feel the love that you deserve on this day. I've also learned in 20 years of ministry that Mother's Day is the most painful day of the year for many people. Uh, One in four women in our country under the age of 40 have had an abortion. And Mother's Day is 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 dreadful, is painful for them. I don't say that to bring conviction or pain. I say that to say we're aware that you're hurting and we care today. The number of people in this room who have lost their mothers or mothers who have lost kids or those of us who are living kind of estranged right now from mom or grandma, if, if you knew the tension of people in our church, like our pastoral staff knows the tension of people in our church, you wouldn't understand why this day's a hard day. So this is a day we celebrate, but we don't want to be blind to pain and to hurt. So this is always a day. On Mother's Day, we always stop and we acknowledge the hurt. And our prayer is that if you're here and you're feeling hurt today, that you would just feel the comfort that only Jesus can give. So we, we want to look at how a mom loves her kids, but we want to acknowledge that when that doesn't happen, there's a lot of pain, or when that can't happen anymore, there's a lot of pain. And we believe that Jesus can step into that pain. We hope that happens today. But we want to see the heart of a mother so we can learn that posture in our relationship with God. If we learn to think about God like a mom thinks about her kids, I promise you we're all going to think about God more often. And that's our goal today, to learn how we can develop an inner strength that really focuses on God. We always pray before we jump into Scripture at our church today because it's Mother's Day. I'd like to pray for you instead of inviting you to pray with me. So would you just bow your heads with me, take a deep breath, And kind of settle your soul into this moment. Father, I pray for everyone who's here today, for all those who are watching online or may watch later during the week. God, we do thank you for all the moms and the grandmas in our midst, those who have been spiritual mothers to us. Bless them on this special weekend that recognizes them. And for God, for all of those hurting more deeply this weekend than most weekends because of a loss or pain, comfort them with the presence of Jesus as only you can do that. That's our prayer. And God, we ask it today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. So Luke chapter 2, we're moving away from Matthew. We've been in Matthew for 20 weeks. We'll be back in Matthew next week. Today we're going to be in Luke chapter 2 because we want to learn about Jesus, but we want to learn through the lens of Mary. Four men wrote books about the ministry, teaching, and life of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The only one who never met Jesus personally was Luke. He says it right at the beginning. He's writing a book to his friend. I haven't met the guy, but I've met a lot of people who have met him. And he tells us that his book to his friend is basically based on eyewitness account interviews. I went and talked to people to make sure what I had heard was true. One of the people that Luke certainly spent a lot of time with was Mary, because we learn more about Mary's life and mindset from Luke than anyone else, which means Luke probably not only sat down with her and said, okay, 
tell me about Jesus, but he must have asked somewhere along the way, and how did that make you feel? And how did you make that, how'd that make you feel? And how did you sleep? And what were you thinking? Because we learn a lot of Mary's inner heart through the book of Luke. So as we learn to develop a little inner strength, we want to learn from Luke about the inner strength of a mother named Mary. Luke chapter 2, we'll start in verse 41, go through verse 52, says this, Every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and in favor with man. The only story we hear in the life of Jesus between his birth and his baptism is this one. From his mom, not only explaining what happened, but explaining how she felt about it. We're going to kind of zero in on one verse today and really one word in this verse. If you have your pen and a Bible open, or you can highlight on whatever electronic device, I want you to, to highlight the word treasure. Then Jesus went down to Nazareth with his mom and dad. He was obedient to them, but his mother treasured all these things in her heart. We not only learn what happened, but we learn how Mary was thinking about what happened. This word treasured in the original language, it was written in Greek, is a word that means to watch over carefully because of the sake of something's value. What we're going to learn today as we try to figure out how we develop an inner strength spiritually is the experiences you have in life are your most valuable resource for drawing you close to Jesus and helping you know who he is. The things you go through in life, the things happening to you right now are the most valuable things in your life to help you draw close to Jesus if you know how to properly think about them and if you know how to properly feel about them. So let me ask you, if that's true, if what you experienced this week, if what you experienced this year so far, if what you've experienced in the last year is the most valuable part of your spiritual journey, how are things going for you? If how you process and think about the last year, this year, last month, this week, is the most important and valuable thing about your spiritual walk, how valuable is your spiritual walk? What Mary teaches us is it's not just what we go through in life that's valuable to us, but how we process those things that we go through in life. And kind of the main point of today's message is going to be this. One of the most valuable spiritual disciplines you can develop is learning how to think and what to think about when it comes to how you are living life and what's going on in your life. In Philippians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul tells the church in Philippi, when things get tough in life, you need to pray because prayer will guard your heart and prayer will guard your mind. The most important thing about your spiritual life is how you are thinking and what you are feeling. So let me ask you, as we try to develop inner strength, have you learned how to think and what to feel about the things happening real time in your life right now in a way that's pushing you towards Jesus instead of away from Jesus. That's the goal of today's message, to learn how to pause and reflect and process and treasure things in life 
in a way that brings spiritual value to us. We start with Mary, who has this unbelievable heart of reflection. We learn that to develop inner strength, we've got to every now and then reflect on our lives. David was a king in Israel who used to be one of the military generals in their army. He was also the poet laureate of the country. He wrote a book called Psalms, nearly a hundred different psalms. And in Psalm 19, he closes with this prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I think in American Christianity, we pray the first line. We're aware of the first line. Lord, don't let me say anything that would embarrass you. Don't let me say anything that would embarrass me. Don't let anything come out of my mouth that would reflect poorly on you. But I don't think we ever pray the second one. Don't let me think anything that wouldn't please you. Don't let me feel about things a way that wouldn't please you. David says, let the words that I speak really please you, but let the things in my heart, how I think about things and how I feel about things happening to me, let that be pleasing to you as well. This word meditation is a really fascinating word in the Hebrew language. It's the word Hagah. The Hebrew language is a, is, a, is a language of word pictures, so sometimes you understand it better in pictures. It's a word that means to moan or growl or utter or speak or muse. The thought of this word is that what's inside has to come out. You can't keep it in. So David says, Lord, let the things that are inside my life that have been forced out by my scenarios, let those be pleasing to you. Probably the best picture of this word is, is the word growl. A few years ago, we took our first missions trip to Kenya. On the last two days of that trip, we flew out of Nairobi down to the Maasai Mara, which connects to the Serengeti, and we did a safari, which was fascinating. They get you way closer to animals in the wild probably than you should be. And on the second morning, uh, the jeep that I was in kind of came upon a lion that had a fresh kill from the, the night after, and, and he was enjoying his fresh kill. We were close enough that we could hear the bones crunching as he ate them. But more than that, anybody have a cat? Cats make noise when they're satisfied, right? If you've ever heard a cat purr, if you can imagine the purring that was more like a groaning of this big cat while he enjoyed his meal, it was fascinating. He could not keep inside of him what he was feeling as he gnawed on his kill. You literally could hear him kind of moaning and groaning. That's the word meditation. The feeling inside cannot, cannot be kept inside. It has to come out. So David said, let that part of me, let that part of me please you. Moms feel that deeper than dads do. One of the things that we did, like probably you did, my wife Danielle and I during quarantine, is we had a quarantine clean out. It's like, it's been 10 years. We're not allowed out of our house, so we might as well clean it up. So like, let's go to the storage room. And like, I'm going to take these seven boxes and you're going to take these seven boxes and we're only going to keep what's necessary. We're going to fill the rest of it with trash and take it to the dump. So 90 minutes in, my seven boxes were done. I had seven bags of trash, seven boxes had become one. It's like, where do I put it? And I turned around and Danielle was halfway through her first box and she was, tears were rolling down her face. It's like, what, what are you doing? She was reading every card that the kids had ever written. She was reading every paper that they wrote in first grade. She was looking at every picture that they had every color. Like she was going through every memory as if it was happening real time and just bawling about how old our kids had become. And I said, listen, I appreciate what's going on here. 
but we are never going to get the storage unit cleared out. Like, I'm going to put a timer on it, and what, like, you can cry as much as you want, but at 60 minutes, the rest of that box is going away, and we're not even, we're not even going to look at it. Some of you moms are the same way, right? Like, moms feel differently. This was Mary. Mary was big time, part of reflection person. When, when we hear her story, it's almost comical for those of us who have kids. How many of you have more than one kid? Is one of them the question kid? Like, like you have one kid that just, they like, they just ask so many questions. I was the question kid in my family. I have an older sister, younger sister. I'm the middle. My first grade teacher told my parents, I've never had a first grader ask more questions. In the, like, she'd been teaching first grade for 40 years. I've never had someone talk so much or ask so many questions in my whole life. I'm glad he's moving on to second grade. I was the question kid. You guys have the question kid. Mary was the annoying one. She was the question kid. If you're the question kid, I'm sorry, but you annoy your parents sometimes. Um, so an angel shows up. She's headed home from school, and an angel shows up in Nazareth, and he's like, greetings, highly favored one. And she doesn't say, greetings back. She's like, I wonder what that means. She's greatly troubled at his words, and she immediately began to reflect. What's going on here? Why would he say that? Why, why would you say that to me? And he's like, oh, God's going to use you in a major way. He wants to send the Messiah, and he has chosen you to have his baby. She's like, well, how's that going to happen? She didn't say yes or no. She said, well, she's had this deep meditative, well, how, how, will, that, how will that work? I'm only a virgin. He's like, oh, the, the power of the Most High is going to come on you and the power of the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you and you're just going to have a baby. And she's like, well, why me? Why would he choose me? At this point, Gabriel's going to be thinking, God, don't you have a favored person who doesn't ask so many questions? Like, I'm like, this is a big job. Why, why me? How's this going to happen? What is happening? Let me ask you, as you process your life, do you pause and reflect and think, God, why is this happening? What's happening? How are you going to use this? Or are you so busy racing life that you never stop to see Jesus in the midst of any of it? If you want to develop an inner strength, you have to stop sometime and ask the questions. Maybe my favorite verse about Mary's Luke chapter 2 is she told Luke the stories of everything that was going on with Jesus. It says, Mary treasured all these things and she pondered them in her heart. Another fascinating word in the Greek language is the word symbolusa. We get the word symbol in the English language from it. It's considering what something means or what you can learn from it by putting things together or discussing them. It's to have a meeting with. Mary said, as all these events were happening in my life, I would stop and I would try to figure out what they all meant. And I would try to put them together and try to figure out what God was doing in my life and why he was doing it in my life. And maybe even how I could use that in the life of somebody else. What this word pondered tells us is this. Within every event of your life, there lies these symbols of who Jesus is and what Jesus is doing and how Jesus wants to use you. And every now and then you need to sit down with yourself in the events of your day and say, all right, events of my day, we're just going to have a meeting. Why is this happening? How could God use this? What is God trying to show me? Where is God trying to move me? Pondering is literally having a meeting with yourself in the events of your day to look behind the events to see the symbols that allow you to know who Jesus is more clearly. You say, man, I want to know Jesus like that. So do I. We don't do this. We don't ponder well in our culture, though. Because in America, life is lived on the move, but lessons are learned in the pause, and we just don't have time to learn because we're so busy living. But we miss all the symbols 
behind every activity and experience in life that reveal to us a little deeper who Jesus is. In his great devotion on the Proverbs, Pastor Tim Keller from New York City said, one of the main messages of Proverbs is this, you've just never really thought enough about anything. Like one of the whole messages of the book of wisdom is this, you just don't stop and think about stuff enough. One of the main messages of Proverbs is you've never really thought enough about anything. We can only get rightly related to reality through hard thinking and sustained reflection. He goes on to say it's like eating hard candy. Have any of you ever tried to eat a Jolly Rancher like in 30 seconds? You will break your teeth. And that's how we try to eat our life experiences. If they don't communicate to us spiritually real time, we never even stop to think. But he said spiritual wisdom is like hard candy. It will dissolve when it wants to. Your job is just to keep working on it. So what are you going through right now that you've had to chew on for weeks or months because the spiritual answer is not dissolved in a way that's helped you see Jesus yet? And are you breaking your teeth trying to hurry the process or are you spitting it out and looking for something softer to chew on? That's the question that we're trying to answer today as we move forward and find the wisdom of Jesus. The heart of a Christian is the heart, is the heart of a mother. When we begin to think about God like moms think about their kids, we win. You say, okay, how do, how do we do that? How do we practice reflection? I just want to give you some like real hands-on practical tools. How do we practice reflection? I'm going to give you one question to ask yourself every day for the rest of your life. I don't know if you'll do it, but even if you ask it once a week, probably a lot of you did not ask it last week, but if you ask it this week, I think you got a chance to develop some more inner strength. Here's the question. Every day for the rest of your life, ask yourself this, can I see Jesus? in what's happening to me and what's happening around me and just what happened through me, can I see Jesus? Can I see Jesus? Do I see Jesus anywhere? Because when you study New Testament scripture, when you study how early Christians were taught to think, in almost every letter of the New Testament, you hear the Bible teachers of the New Testament say, you need to learn to think about Jesus. You need to learn to think about Jesus. Philippians 4a, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Paul's trying to teach the church of Philippi to think. And I don't know if you captured it the first time through, but every word in yellow describes Jesus. Jesus is true. Jesus is noble. Jesus is right. Jesus is pure. Jesus is lovely. Jesus is admirable. Jesus is the only thing truly excellent. Jesus is the only thing truly praiseworthy. So Paul said, you need to learn how to think about Jesus. You need to learn how to think about Jesus. Anytime something excellent or praiseworthy or noble or admirable happens, you need to stop and say, that reminds me of Jesus. That's the way Jesus would have done something. When great things happen, you need to think about Jesus. Say, what about When hard things happen, good question. Here's how you think when hard things happen. Here's what you consider when people in your life are trying to destroy you. Here's how you think when people have hurt you. Think about Jesus because he also endured opposition from sinners. Then you won't grow weary and lose heart. So like when admirable things happen, that should remind you of Jesus. And when terrible things happen, that should remind you that Jesus went through the same thing. And when blessings happen, every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who doesn't change like shifting shadows. When anything good happens, when you ever feel blessed, think of Jesus. He's the one who's done that for you. 
The whole New Testament is filled with people saying you need to learn how to think and you learn how to think by thinking about Jesus. So where's Jesus right now? It's like a cosmic game of where's Waldo spiritually. Like every day I'm looking in life saying, okay, where is he? In the mix of this, in the mess of this, in the purpose of this, in the pain of this, where's Jesus? He does not wear a red and white hat like Waldo, but he died on a blood-stained cross. And if you can learn to see him, it will change everything. Next week, we'll teach from Matthew chapter 6 on fasting. We'll learn that fasting is creating an intentional physical need because it reminds us of our spiritual need and it pushes us into Jesus. And then when we enter our summer of prayer, our Monday morning prayer in the summer, I'm so excited because our Monday morning prayer guide, for those of you who pray with us, changes a little bit. And we will ask you every week as you fill out your prayer guide, what are you fasting from and what are you fasting for? I'm fasting from this to create a little discomfort because I want this spiritually in my life. And then we'll ask you this, what's your meditative contemplation this week? We'll ask you before you begin to even pray to find out where Jesus has been working in your life. Where's Jesus? Find Jesus. It's a a spiritually cosmic game of where's Waldo. I'm going to meditate and contemplate where Jesus is working in my life, and I might even try to figure out why. I can't wait to get there because only in finding Jesus and in practicing seeing where his presence is in every scenario, do we develop the inner strength that we find in Mary in Luke chapter 2. You say, I want to do that. Can you give me some very practical tips? I can't, but I think David can in Psalm 19. Remember the prayer of Psalm 19. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O God, my rock and my redeemer. That's preceded by 13 verses. And those 13 verses are David talking about where he sees God And why after he has seen God, he wants his words and his thoughts to please him. So he said, okay, where do I see God every day? David starts with nature. Verses 1 through 6 say, the heavens declare your glory. Like when I look at the stars and the sun and the moon, like when I look up, God, I see your fingerprints everywhere. So David says, when I look around, I see God. And it helps me remember to look for him. But two weeks ago, um, the world celebrated Earth Day. I didn't know that, except that morning there were some commercials on TV talking about Earth Day. I had a staff meeting that day with five or six of our team members. So I started that day by asking this question. Hey, since it's Earth Day, what are the things in creation that every time you see them, they remind you of God? And what's the verse to back it up? I was just curious to see what they'd say. And to listen to our team connect nature to Jesus Ryan, I think it was, talking about the birds. Every time I see him, every time I hear him, I think if he takes care of the birds, of course he'll take care of me. One of our team members talking about uh, rivers and mountain streams, listening to water, and remember Jesus saying that he was the living water. If you stay close to him, you'll always stay strong. One of our team members talking about sunrises and sunsets and the promise in Scripture that if the sun doesn't rise, you can believe that God isn't working. But every day the sun comes up, God's working. Our team members who talked about mountains and oceans and the great expanse of them, just listening to our team members remember that every day they can look around and see God and remember that we should do it more often was just awesome. And we based all of this on Romans 1.20 in our meeting that day. Paul told the church at Rome, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what's been made so that people are without excuse. No one can say, I can't see God. God says, look around. 
How can you not see God? He's everywhere. David says, when I look around, I see God, and it makes my mouth want to please him, and it makes my heart want to please him. Where else can I see Jesus? In Scripture, David goes on to say in verses 7 through 11, the way of the Lord is perfect, and his law is flawless, and his directions guide my soul. So when I, when I wake up and look around, I, I see God in everything. But when I dig into Scripture, I really see what God has for me in my soul. I think every Christian as they read their Bible, should be asking this question, what is God saying to me today? In Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, Joshua was the first spiritual leader in history that had a paper copy of a book, a Bible that he could read. Remember, Abraham never had a Bible. Noah never had a Bible. Adam and Eve never had a Bible. Moses wrote it but didn't have it most of his life. Joshua was the first leader that had a, that had a book he could read. And in God's first few sentences of his leadership life to Joshua. He said, here's what's going to help you. Keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. He didn't tell Joshua, read this every day. He told Joshua, read it and then think about it all day. Read it and then think about it all day. You got to reflect on it. You got to apply it. You say, Christian, how do I do that? Really, the best way to do that is to begin journaling. But I'm going to give you kind of a, a spiritual hack, a, a journaling 101. Two of the guys in my men's accountability group are attempting to do this this year because you can't think about Scripture unless you remember it, and you usually can't remember it unless you create a process to do that, and you're like, I'm not going to keep a diary. Listen, you don't have to. But I would say this. Either get a stack of Post-it notes or get a stack of 3 by 5 index cards. Never read your Bible without a pen. And as you read your Bible, anytime you read a verse, you're like, that's a great verse. Just, just circle the number of the verse. And when you get done reading, go back through all the circles and pick out the one you like the most. Write it down. Write it down on a 3 by 5 index card or write it down on a Post-it note. Tear the Post-it note off and stick it on your bathroom mirror so at least you see it again before you go to bed. And then when you have a new one, tear this one down and throw it away and put up, put up another one. Or set it, on the, set it in your truck on the console or put it on your computer at work. Just... Something that says, I want to remember and think about what I read earlier. Or you can write it on a 3 by 5 index card, throw it in your pocket. Every time you feel it in your back pocket, just pull it out and look at it. Imagine this. Imagine you read the Bible every day. At the end of the week, you had seven index cards with seven verses. Sunday night before the week started, go through the seven. Find the one you like the most. Keep it. Throw the other six away. At the end of the month, you'd have four. Go through the four. Keep the one you like the most. Throw the other three away. At the end of the year, you have 12. Go through the 12, throw away the 11, keep one. You say only one verse a year after 20 years. The 20 spiritual seeds that God would have planted in your heart would have massively transformed your life. But you've got to be intentional. You've got to say it's not enough to read it. I want to remember it. I want to think about it. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to do it. You just have to be intentional. You just have to get a stack of cards, throw it in your back pocket, and just care a little more than you care right now. Don't just read it. Meditate on it. But then David said, when I just look at my life, like nature shows me God, scripture shows me God, but he said, God, when I look at how you've been involved in my life, I can't help but, but want my mouth to praise you and my heart to honor you. Every experience in life 
can point you to Jesus. Every experience in life can point you to Jesus. So in Luke chapter 24, on the day of the resurrection, Jesus has taken a seven-mile walk between Jerusalem and a village called Emmaus with two disciples that not only didn't know he hadn't risen from the dead yet, but they didn't know anything that the Old Testament said about the Messiah being a suffering servant who would die and have to raise from the dead first. So beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Probably a three-hour walk. Could you imagine going on a three-hour walk with Jesus when he said, grab your Bible. Let's go to Genesis 1. I just want to show you on every page of the Bible where you were supposed to see me. Can you imagine that three hours? Now, imagine this three hours. Jesus says, let's go on a walk. And I want to flip through every page of your past. And I want to show you where you were supposed to see me every day. I want to go through every season of your life, and I want to show you where I was that you missed. Because if you can learn to see me, it'll change everything. See, if we could take this walk, if we could take one seven-mile walk with Jesus at a nice slow place, two and a half, three hours, I think it would change everything in our life because he would help us learn how to open our eyes. He would teach us how to think, how to feel. He would show us how to see him in every season and scenario of our life. And I think it would transform the way we think and feel. We would become a different person on the inside, which would make us a different person on the outside. Most of us would say, I ain't got two hours. I don't have two hours a day to spend with Jesus. Okay, two hours a month, two two hours a week, 17 minutes a day. Some of you think, hmm. I don't know that I have 17 minutes a day. Okay, two hours a month, just short of five minutes a day. I actually believe if you would just spend five minutes a day, two hours a month, sitting down with Jesus and saying, what happened today and where were you in it? It would change your life. If you say, I don't have five minutes a day, I'm going to tell you, you are never going to meet Jesus like you need to. I just don't, I don't have time to stop. Then you don't have time to learn. I love what Keller says on January 20th as he unpacks Proverbs. Spiritual wisdom is inaccessible to people who are too busy for its method. It comes through first with experience and then with deep, honest reflection on that experience. It emerges only as we ask searching questions about our experiences. It emerges only as we're like Mary. We say, why did that happen? How did that happen? God, what did you possibly want to do through this? What can I learn about you? What, what do you want me to become so I can become more like you? Spiritual wisdom is inaccessible to people who have no time. So at some point, you have to pause to reflect or you will never, ever grow. That's why I love Psalm 4610. Be still. Be still and know God. You say, I want to know God. I don't have time to be still. It doesn't work that way. But if you will be still, and if you will learn how to think, and you will learn what to feel, you can learn how to be close to God. And when we look at the nation of Israel, the only nation that was ever a theocracy, that lived their life on the rhythms that God asked them to, he built into their life, into their nation, into their schedule, a pattern of pausing. God said, you cannot live and know me unless you're willing to stop every day. So I'm going to build a world that stops every day. Years ago, I heard this from Pastor Rick Warren, the pastor of Saddleback Church, between Los Angeles and San Diego and California. He said, if you cannot do these four things, you cannot really become all God wants you to become. But if you're willing to depart daily, withdraw weekly, quiet quarterly, and abandon annually for the sake of getting to know God and spending time with your family, you will have the life that God has created you to live. 
So every day, for some reason, in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, there was evening and there was morning. I don't know why God didn't create a world that never got dark, but God said, at some point, it's going to get dark, and I need you to stop. Spend time with your family. Think about me. Every day, I want you to depart and spend time with me. Withdraw weekly. I don't know why God didn't create a six-day week. He created a seventh day. But the seventh day was not just to rest. It was to reflect. The Scripture says on the seventh day, God thought about the six before, and so those are pretty good. So every Sunday, do you stop and think about Monday through Saturday and think, okay, what was good, what was bad, what was ugly, where was Jesus? What does he want me to learn? How can, this, how can next week be different than last week? Because I found Jesus in the midst of it. I withdraw weekly, not just to go to church and stop working, but to reflect on the previous six days. God built into the rhythm of the Jewish calendar the fact that they could quiet quarterly. He put these feasts and these festivals that were usually seven or eight days off where you would just spend time with family and spiritual family, one in the spring, one in the summer, one in the fall, one near the end of the year where he would say, you got you to gotta quit working every now and then and go hang out with your family and your spiritual family. And then the big one that we read about in Luke chapter 2 with Jesus abandoned annually, this Feast of the Passover was usually a month-long stoppage where they would take about 10 days, 10 to 12 days to travel to Jerusalem. They'd spend eight days in Jerusalem. They'd take 10 to 12 days to travel home. And after this month, of doing nothing but hang out with family, spiritual friends, and pour into God, you were ready for the next season of your life. You say, I want to develop inner strength and be strong spiritually. You can't do it without this pattern of pausing. But I believe if you are willing to develop this pattern of pausing, if you're willing to learn how to think and what to think, and you're willing to look for Jesus every day, I think our lives can be changed spiritually. Here's the bottom line, then we'll pray. Spiritual transformation doesn't just occur through learning and experiences as much as it does through reflecting and even discussing your learning and experiences. So you're learning today, but if you don't reflect on it and apply it, it will do nothing for you. And every day next week, you'll experience something, but if you don't stop and reflect on it, it will do nothing for you. But if you reflect and apply, if you reflect and find Jesus in the midst of every learning and all your experiences, you'll develop an inner strength that God says, only you and I know what you're doing but the world sees its impact. And because of that, they see Jesus. What are you learning today? What are you thinking about it? How are you going to apply it? That's the question. Would you pray with me as we consider those things? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed all over the room. As you sit in a spirit of prayer, what are you going through right now in life? that you know Jesus is in the middle of. You're just not sure what he's trying to teach you yet because you've not been thinking about it. What's been happening that Jesus is right in the middle of and he's trying to teach you through it? If you just open your eyes and ears to it and think about it, reflect on it, ask the right questions. How can you slow down your life this week? Every day. How can you slow down your life this month every week? How can you slow down your life this year every quarter to ponder, to look behind the experiences to the symbols that show you who Jesus is and what Jesus is doing? How do you do that? Ask God to show you. Build that rhythm into your life. Ask God to teach you how to think, what to feel to shape your heart and mind. 
you're here today and you don't know Jesus, what I want to tell you today is that God loves you. He knows you. He created you. He wants to forgive you of all of your past. He wants to be with you every day of your life. He wants you to live with him in eternity. But you need Jesus in a relationship with him to do that. If you came in today and you're not connected to God, but you want to be, what you need to hear is Jesus loves you. He lived for you. He died on the cross so your sin could be forgiven and so you could be close to him and right with God. Scripture says if you will believe that in your heart, which means you just feel in your soul, I need God and I believe this is the answer. And if you confess with your mouth, you pray that you'll be saved. So if you believe in your heart, but you've never received God's gift of salvation and forgiveness and eternal life, you can do that today through prayer. You can just pray something like this after me. You don't have to pray out loud. You can pray it from your heart to heaven. Just pray something like this right where you are in your seat. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I accept your invitation to be close to God and right with God. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me of my past. Heal me of my hurts and lead me in my future. Today I surrender my life to your leadership. I ask for your salvation. I commit to follow you. If you just prayed that prayer with me in just a second, Pastor Ryan will come tell you how you can let us know so we can give you a gift, celebrate with you, pray for you, answer any questions that you might have. But for the rest of us, what did Jesus say to you and what are you going to do about it? Jesus, we thank you that you invite us to take every experience of our life and to find you in it. We thank you that you invite us, Lord, to look around nature and to see you. We thank you that you invite us to read your word and not just to read it, but to reflect on it in a way that changes our soul. And we thank you, Jesus, that if we will just stop and look, we'll always see you. We'll always see Jesus. God, as we begin this spiritually cosmic game of where's Waldo looking for Jesus. May we see him in every moment of every day, in every experience, in a way that gives us inner strength and changes our soul so that our life might be changed, so the world might see you. That's our prayer. And God, we pray you'll help us to develop that as a result of today. We love you. And we ask all these things today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.